Happy New Year, everyone. I've got good news for you. The days are getting longer. Can you feel it? The sunshine is right around the corner. Uh, before we dive in, I want to celebrate what God did in our church this past Christmas. And I share this with you not to kind of brag or boast about our church, but I just think it's encouraging when I hear God working in people's lives and when I hear stories of what God's doing in a church. Because I don't know about you, but a lot of the media that I see around churches tends to be a little bit negative about people going to church in America. And so I just find it encouraging when I see God moving. This past Christmas, in person, so at our campuses, we had 60,265 people attend. Online, we had 27,907 devices, which is a grand total of 88,172, a part of our Christmas experience, and that was amazing. And then what we really get excited about is 2,292 of you indicated that you had made a first-time decision to put your faith in Jesus Christ. And we are so proud. And if you were someone who maybe prayed that prayer on Christmas, but you were busy with family, you just didn't get a chance to kind of text in, you can still do that. You can text the word BEGIN to 77888. But if you were one of those 2,000, as a church, we want to come alongside you. We want to help you grow in your faith. And my challenge to you this year is take another step. Take a step in your faith. Get involved in a small group where you can study the Bible and be around other Christians. But take a step in your faith to continue to grow. Because I believe that God has great things in store for your life. Today we are starting a new series. It's called Take Back Your Family. Because increasingly, as I talk to families, there's this sense that families are under a lot of pressure in our country. And this is backed up by the statistics. In fact, a few years ago, they did a study where they asked the question, what's the best country to raise your family in? And they looked at six different categories. It was like cost, happiness, safety, all those kinds of things. They looked at 35 different countries. And there were two that graded out as an F, Mexico and the United States. Don't get me wrong, there's no country I would rather raise my family in than the United States, but I think it points to this idea that there's an increased amount of concern about families in our country today. For example, the average age that a student is now being exposed to pornography is the age of eight. Forget about the back of the bus. Now they've got a touch screen that's just one little touch away. Which is why today's message is titled Navigating Technology. And to kick things off, I want to give you just a quick five-question quiz. If you answer yes to these questions, give yourself one point. We'll see where you end up at the end. So here's the first question. Give yourself a point if you get to the bathroom and you find yourself bummed out because you forgot your phone. You're like, you get to the bathroom, you're like, oh, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? I don't have my phone. Give yourself a point if that's you, give yourself a point if you sleep next to your phone. By the way, the new definition of marriage is two people who look at their phones next to one another before they go to sleep. This is pretty much what every couple is doing. They're sitting in their bed, on their phone, on their laptop, and then they go to sleep. If you sleep next to your phone, give yourself one point. If you wake up in the morning and the first thing you're looking for is your phone, I mean, before you brush your teeth, before you grab some coffee, you are looking for that phone. Give yourself a point. Here's the fourth one. How many of you have gotten really good at texting underneath a table? 
Because you're at the dinner table or you're in a meeting at work and you're kind of like giving eye contact, but then the minute your boss looks at someone else, you're like back underneath the table sending a text message. If you're good at that, give yourself a point. Here's the last question. Give yourself one point if when your spouse or your parent says to you, hey, get off your device, I need to talk to you. Give yourself one point if your most common response is, hang on, just, 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 just need to see this, just a minute. Give yourself two points if you don't even hear them in the first place. (laughs) Now, if you scored out with two or higher, I think this message is going to help you a lot. If you scored out with a three or higher, consider this your intervention. (laughs) As I was putting through this message, I was kind of had a really busy day at work. And so normally when I get into work in the morning, the first thing I do is I open up my Bible and I spend some time praying and connecting with God. But this day, I was so busy, I was like, I got to get that message done on technology. And so I opened up my computer, and I thought, I'll I'll, I'll spend time with God later. But I never did. I just got busy with my day. And by the time I got to the end of my day, before I was going to go to bed, I thought, oh, I should just spend some time with God. I could just feel it in my soul. I could just feel that I, I needed this. But then I remembered that I was playing John Alexander in the fantasy football playoffs that week. This is our work league. This is kind of a big deal. And so I wanted to see if I was winning. So I went on there. You'll be glad to know I did win. Then I remembered that the Timberwolves were playing the Miami Heat. And I wanted to see who won. So I went on ESPN to check the box score. And then inexplicably, I went on YouTube. And I started watching a video by Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazon, on his morning routine. I have a morning routine. I read the Bible, which is what I should have been doing in that moment. Now, you might think, well, that's just one day. And that's true. That is just one day. But oftentimes, one day leads to two days, and two days leads to three days. And before you know it, your thought life. And this is where the battle is won and lost. It is won or lost in your mind. It is won or lost in your thought life. And pretty soon, before you know it, your thought life is more influenced by YouTube and Jeff Bezos and fantasy football and blogs and podcasts than it is by the Word of God. Here's a verse that I want to use to anchor this message. It's Romans 12, verse 2, and it says this, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But here's my question. How do you not be conformed to the patterns of this world when your face is stuck in an iPhone for four to six hours a day? I was watching a video on my phone about the USC men's basketball team. And their social media person kind of came up with this creative idea. And so as they walked into practice, they had to show their screen time activity. So they had to go into their settings, get to screen time activity, and show, on average, how much were they on their phone every day. The answers range from four hours to 11 hours. This guy was spending, on average, 11 hours that week, a day, on his phone. And you might think, well, that's that's college students. I mean, yeah, I'm not not doing that. Like, that's, That's college students. Of course, they're spending that much time on their phone. Over Christmas break, I was on one of my sons for spending too much time playing video games. I was like, man, you need to cool down the video games. You need to chill. I go, let's just take a break from that. And kind of kiddingly, he said, well, you should go look at the screen time activity on your phone. 
And I was kind of curious myself. And so I went and looked. Four hours a day. That was me spending on my phone. I still made him get off video games. <laughs> the iPhone was introduced by Steve Jobs to the world at the Macworld Expo in 2007. That was only 17 years ago. I mean, just think about that for a moment. 17 years ago, and now 17 years later, the average adult checks their phone every 4.3 waking minutes. That means that some of you are going to check your phone eight times during my message. <laughs> Just so you know, that irritates me, okay? <laughs> but it's not surprising because your phone has 30,000 times the processing speed that the onboard computer for the Apollo 13 to the moon had. It's no wonder that Time Magazine labeled it as the most influential gadget of all time. An invention, they said, that would likely have repercussions for decades to come. What are those repercussions? Well, we're not exactly sure at this point. But I was intrigued in 2010 when Steve Jobs was asked by a reporter, Hey, are your kids excited to use the new iPad? And here's what he said to the reporter in response. He said this, they haven't used it. We limit how much technology our kids use at home. A little bit later, a, a vice president for Apple came out and he said, yeah, my, my kids have like strict screen time limitations. Kind of makes you wonder about your own screen time use, doesn't it? Kind of makes you wonder about your kids' screen time use. One author puts it this way. He said, we don't know what our smartphones are doing to us, but they are changing us. That much is clear. It's not just kids who are being changed. In fact, one author, Andy Crouch, asked 13 to 21-year-olds this question. He said, what's the one thing you would like your parents to change? If you could change one thing about your parents, what would you change? And the number one common response shocked me. It shocked me so much, I went into the footnotes, I'm like, there's no way that that was the most common response, but it legitimately was. When 13 to 21 year olds were asked, what is one thing you would love for your parents to do different? The number one common response was, I wish my parents would spend less time on their phones and more time talking to me. Crouch concludes, this is not just a kid issue. He says it is a human issue. One teenager in an article that I read said this. She said, on social, everyone seems like they're better than me and they're ahead of me. She said, which stresses me out and makes me feel behind, unwanted, and stupid. I scroll through Instagram and I see models with perfect bodies and I feel terrible about myself. We need to take back our families. What does the Bible have to say about all of this? As you might think, well, I don't think it would have much to say. The, the iPhone was invented in 2007. The Bible was written way before that. So I don't know the Bible would have much to say about our technology use. But I actually think the Bible has quite a bit to say about our use of technology. Let's start with Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Paul writes, whatever is true... 
Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. He says, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Let me ask you, what do you think about? On a daily basis, what are the top two or three things that you would say, yeah, this is just what my mind tends to think about? And if I could ask the question in a slightly different way, what makes you think about what you think about? You understand what I mean by that question? What, what causes you to think about the things that you frequently think about? It's not a trick question. The answer is what you're looking at. What you're occupied with, if you're reading something or you're watching a movie or if you're talking to someone, then, then most likely that's what your brain is, 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 is tracking on. And we can daydream from time to time, but for the most part, it's what we're looking at that determines what we are thinking about. With that in mind, let's go back to Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. He says this, he breaks it down into eight categories. Whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right. Whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is praiseworthy or excellent, he says, you need to think about these things. What if you put through a filter everything that you listened to, everything that you looked at through the filter of those eight categories? What if you said, if this isn't right, if this isn't pure, if this isn't praiseworthy, then I'm not going to look at it. I'm not going to listen to it. I'm going to be careful about what I take in with my eyes because what you look at is going to determine what you think about. I've called this before the law of exposure. If you expose yourself and your mind and think about things that are true and pure and lovely, you will have peace in your life. But when you start to think about things that are not true and lovely and pure, you begin to lack peace. If you're struggling with anger right now, for example, you might want to look at your media choices. Now, I'm not saying that if you watch one violent movie, you're going to become a violent person. I think we all understand that's probably not true. But here's what I think people do underestimate. They underestimate the cumulative effect that our media choices have over time. For example, when I was about 16 years old, I lived with this belief. I just thought this was true. I lived with the belief that prior to marriage, you should have sex with as many people as you can because you want to figure out if you're physically compatible or not. Because that way you kind of have a better idea of who you're going to be physically compatible with as you move into marriage. That was just what I believed as a 16-year-old. I just thought that was true. Now, that's not true. The Bible teaches that's not true. And even research on happily married couples will show you that that is not true at all. But I believed that as a 16-year-old. Why? Did my parents teach me that? Did my parents ever sit down and be like, hey, you should have sex with many people? No, no, my parents never had that talk with me. Did one of my teachers in like sex ed or something teach that? No, actually they didn't. Did one of my friends sit down and say, hey, you know what? You're... No, we never talked about those kind of things. Here's why I think I believe that to be true. Because I watched the TV show Friends. And I watched Seinfeld. And I watched Beverly Hills 90210. And that's what everybody seemed to be doing on those shows. And while I never really had the conscious thought, I just started to conform my mind 
to the patterns of this world. So the question I want to ask today is this, how can we make wise decisions when it comes to technology? And here's the first way, limit. When I was a kid, uh, I did not have an iPhone. And I did not have an iPad. Uh, My grandma bought me a Sega Genesis video game system. And one day I was playing Madden football. I was the Vikings. I threw a pass to Chris Carter in the end zone, and he dropped it. And I yelled, Chris Carter never drops a ball in the end zone. And I threw the like remote control thing, and it broke. And I didn't have a Sega Genesis anymore. I didn't have any of those things. But you know what I had as a kid? I had one of these. (laughs) I had a box fan. And you know what you can do with a box fan? You can spend hours if you want talking into the back of the fan. (laughs) And so I'd get lined up on this thing and I'd be like, Luke, I am your father. (laughs) And I mean, I was... I was pretty content. I mean, it was pretty fun. There are some of you here, you are highly successful. I mean, you have run multi-million dollar companies, and you have spent hours through your summer going like this, trying to stick your tongue as close as you can to the blade (laughs) just to see how close you could get and not get hit. And look at how well you turned out. I mean, think about it. You've turned out pretty well. You are depriving your children if you don't go and get them a box fan, okay? (laughs) You are depriving them of wisdom and just all sorts of problem-solving skills. I mean, it's all right there. By the way, you'll notice I'm not turning that on and off. Speaking of technology, the production team's like, we'll just turn it on and off for you. So they, like, rig the whole thing up. Can't just turn it on anymore. (laughs) Got to use our technology as well. But here's my point. Some of you might think, you know, I use like some fuddy-duddy who just thinks that we shouldn't have phones and iPads and all go out and buy. No, I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is that we should put some limits around our screen time use. And the reason why I believe that is because I was reading an article called What Happy Teens Do. And they studied teenagers, and they started asking the question, the teenagers that are happier and have more joy, what, what are the kinds of things that they do? And what are the kinds of things they don't do? And this probably won't surprise you, but they found a direct correlation between screen time use and happiness among teens. Teenagers that were on their screens more than their peers reported lower levels of happiness. And teenagers that were on screens less than their peers reported higher levels of happiness. Now, it doesn't mean that they're never on their phone. It doesn't mean that they never play video games or iPad. No, it doesn't mean that. It just means that compared to their peers, if they were more or less, there was a determining factor in their joy and in their happiness. If I could speak to those of you who are 8 to 18, just speak right to you for a moment. Here's what I would say to you. Don't make your parents put limits around your screen time. You do that for yourself. The studies on this are clear. I know you might think, well, I'm the exception. No, the studies are clear. The ones who are on it more, the most, it's affecting their joy and happiness. Why would you want that? 
Why would you make your parents put limits around something that isn't going to be good for you? It's not your parents' life that we're talking about here. It's not your parents' heart that we're talking about here. It's your life. It's your heart. Let me go back to Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 for just a moment. He says, whatever is pure, think about these things. See, here's what I know to be true about teenagers, 8, 18, you know, young adults. You know way more about technology than I do. I mean, you, you know how to do stuff on your phone and iPad. I have no clue. I don't know what's going on in Snapchat. It's like, it's there, it's gone. I have no clue what's happening. You know things that I don't know, which means you could probably view images on your phone that are sexually explicit in nature, and your parents might not find out. I mean, they might find out, but they, they might not. And you could view pornography if you wanted to, and you might be able to get away with it. But do you want to? I mean, I work with people in their 30s, and I've talked to people in their 30s who are married, and they're struggling with intimacy in their relationship and in their marriage, and you ask them, well, what's the reason for this? And you start digging, and you find pornography. Pornography, sexually explicit images. And then you ask them, when did this start? And they'll say, when I was 8, when I was 10, when I was 16, when I was 18, Play the movie forward. Think about the future. Think about where you want to be 10 years from now, 20 years from now. This isn't your parents' life. This is your life. You set the limits for yourself. Let's get really practical here for a moment. How does a person put some limits around their screen time use? Well, I know one family that has a no screen time day. So they just say, you know what, for this one day, we're, we're not going to use our screens. And they're not Amish, okay? This is a family that's very high-tech throughout the rest of the week. But they just say, for this one day, we're going to put our screens and our phones aside. And wh- what do they do? Well, they, they do things like they go for a walk, they play basketball, they get outside, they spend time talking to one another, they go to dinner, they go grab ice cream, they, they, they have human interaction. I was talking to John Alexander about this. He says his family has no screens between 6 o'clock and 8 o'clock at night. Just those two hours of the day, hey, we're going to reconnect as a family, and then after that, you know, you can kind of do what you want. I talked to one family in our church. He said, we have a no screen time rule in the car. So, which is funny, because I do carpooling to practices. I pick kids up, and they get in the car, and first thing, they're just like on their phone, just scrolling in the back. He says, no one's talking. They're all just on their device. And you'll just, I'll tell them, hey, just you know, put your screens down. We're not going to have screens in the car. Five minutes later, there's laughter. There's giggling. There's people grabbing each other in the back seat. Now, this doesn't apply to an eight-hour road trip, by the way, okay? Every man for himself on an eight-hour road trip. <laughs> but what is it for you? What is it for you and your family where you say, you know what? We're just going to put a little bit of limits around this. Here's the second way to make some wise decisions with your technology, and it's to leverage Limit and leverage. Now, let me just be really clear. I don't think phones are bad. I don't think iPads are bad. I think they're morally neutral. In other words, you get out of them what you put into them. But I want to go back to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here's what I notice about this verse. Formation is going to happen. There's no neutral. 
You're either going to be conforming to the patterns of this world, or you are going to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But there is no neutral. Formation is going to happen, which means you can either teach your kids about sex, or screens will happily do that for you. You, as the parent, can either teach your kids about right and wrong, good and evil, or this world will happily teach them for you. You can either teach your kids about being content and how buying more things is not going to make them happy, or consumerism will happily do that for them. You can either teach your kids that God made them the way they are on purpose, Male and female, or our culture, will happily confuse their understanding for them. Here's my point. Your role as a parent has never been to try to protect your kids from all the immorality that exists in the world. That's impossible. The role that you have as a parent is to try to instruct your kids on how to deal with and navigate the immorality that exists in the world. I heard one dad say that when he watches TV with his kids, he plays a game called Spot the Lie. So he said, I was watching a football game and a beer commercial or something came on. He said, I paused it and I said to my five-year-old son, Spot the Lie. His five-year-old son's like, well, I don't think if you drink lots of beer, you get all the ladies. (laughs) His dad was like, yes, you're right. You spotted the lie. See, ads lie to us. The world lies to us. That's why kids need to be instructed. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 says it this way. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Notice the word instruction. Don't just limit. Leverage. Use media to instruct I'll talk to dads sometimes, and they'll say, you know, I want to be a spiritual leader. I really want to be a spiritual leader for my kids and for my family, but I just, I don't know how. I don't know the Bible that well, and I just, I just don't see myself as a spiritual leader. And one of the things I'll say is, it's not as hard as you're making it out to be. If you watch TV, hit pause once in a while and just go spot the lie. And have a conversation about it. And you just started to become a spiritual leader to your kids and in your family. Download the YouVersion Bible app. And have them send you the verse of the day. And then forward that verse onto your kids. To their phone, text them, whatever. And just say, hey, great verse for today. Praying for you, love you. And you just started to exercise spiritual leadership in the life of your kids. Download the Eaglebrook app. You can watch kids services and you can ask the question, hey, what'd you learn about God? You can, we have Bible reading plans on there and you can say, I don't know the Bible, but let's read through parts of the Bible for this next month and we'll just do it together. And all of a sudden you've become a spiritual leader in your family. Here's one of the things that our family has begun to do and we're we're late to the party on this. We started watching the TV show Chosen and it's about Jesus and the gospels and it's really well done. And after the last one that we watched, my son and my daughter started having this conversation. Was that in the Bible? When did Jesus do that? And they're having this whole conversation about the Bible. And that's spiritual leadership. 
All you have to do is expose your kids to something that is true and right and pure, and you've begun to exercise spiritual leadership in your family. How can you begin to leverage technology? Here's the third way to interact with technology wisely, and it's this, look away. So my five-year-old daughter was watching uh, TV, and this horror movie commercial came on. It was a horror movie about Thanksgiving. Yes, you heard me correctly. They made a horror movie about Thanksgiving, if the pilgrims could see us right now. But I went on, I had to, I had to look this up. I was like, this just seems weird. So I went on Google, I looked it up. It's rated R for gore, violence, nudity, and language. Of course, all the things that Thanksgiving is all about right there in that one movie. But here's what I noticed. I didn't have to say anything to my five-year-old daughter. Because before I could get any words out of my mouth, my 13-year-old daughter said, Anna, look away. Ever since our kids were little, whenever a commercial would come on for like a horror movie or something sexually explicit in nature, we would teach our kids, look away. Just don't look. Just because some marketing and executive in New York has figured out that if you show sexually explicit images, some dopamine goes off in a person's brain and they remember your product and they tune into your commercial, doesn't mean that I have to watch. Doesn't mean that I have to look. Job 31.1 says, I made a covenant with my eyes. This is Job speaking. I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. I had a roommate in college who taught me that verse. I was a brand new believer. I was in my 20s. And he said, there's going to be times when you're going to be tempted to look at a woman in a way that I do not believe God would want you to look at them. You're not looking at them as a sister in Christ. You're not looking at them as a person who God loves. You're just going to look at them as something for yourself, for your own pleasure. And he said, in that moment, you got to make a covenant with your eyes. And the phrase that he used was this, bounce your eyes. And you might be thinking, well, you know, I'm just looking. It's like really not that big of a deal. But Jesus says, when you look at someone lustfully, you've committed adultery in your heart. It really is a big deal. When my son Jasper was two years old, we made a gingerbread house. And Jasper used to get stomach aches if he ate too much sugar. So after we ate, made the gingerbread house, I said, hey, we're just going to put it off to the side. We're not going to eat it. Maybe we'll have like a little bit before you go to bed. And so I was cleaning up, and I looked over, and here's what I saw Jasper doing. He was sitting on the counter, and he's just staring a hole through this thing. And he did this for like 10 minutes. And at one point, he was kind of like sniffing it. And then another point, his hands were right up to it. And so I had to go, Jasper? And I'll never forget, he looked at me. He goes, what? I was just looking. <laughs> you might think, I'm just looking. <laughs> What's the big deal? I mean, I'm just, I'm just looking. Like, I'm not having an affair or anything like that. I, I, I'm just looking. But looking leads to desiring, and desiring leads to behavior. Looking leads to lust, and lust leads to lustful behavior. And this is where many of us start to stumble. We think, oh, it's just no big deal. I'm just, I'm just going to look. But when you look, it gets to your heart and your desires, and your heart and desires begin to behave. 
Jesus said it this way in Matthew 6. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. What you take in with your eyes is going to make its way into your heart. And so he says, if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Notice for a moment why I wanted Jasper to not eat from the gingerbread house. It's because he gets stomach aches when he ate too much sugar. Now he knew that, but he didn't care. He would have just gone ahead with it anyway. But I love him enough to want what's best for him. And so I said, no. Some of us think, why does God care? Why does God care if I look at pornography? Why does God care if I have sex before marriage? And my answer to you is this, because God loves you. God cares because God cares about you. God's not up there going like, oh, I'm just going to hold back and, you know, I don't want you to experience like the joy and the fun and the pleasure. No, no. He loves you. He wants the best for you. His perspective is bigger and better than our perspective is. And so God says, I want the best for you. I'm going to read to you Romans 12 too, just one last time. And it says this, do not conform to the patterns of this world. And I want you to ask yourself, am I been conforming to the patterns of this world? Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here's a question I would love for you to talk about on the car ride home. Maybe talk about this if you're online. You can talk about it in the chat. But here's the question I'd love for you to wrestle with a little bit. Is there one change that you need to make regarding your use of technology? As we start a new year, is there one change that you would say, you know what, I, I want to make a change in my life regarding how I consume media and technology. Maybe for you, you say, you know what, I need to limit this. I need to put a little more limits around it. I've been getting a little bit out of control. I need to put it to the side and do some other things and focus on some other things. Maybe for you, you say, I'm going to leverage it. I mean, I know a guy who listens to the Bible while he takes a walk and he's just listening and, and hearing the word of God. He's leveraging it in his life. Or maybe for you, you need to look away. There's something that you're going, you know what, I just don't, I don't need to look at that. I'm going to look away. But what is one change that you need to make regarding technology? Let's pray together as we close. Lord, we do not want to conform to the patterns of this world. But it is hard not to. God, it's just all around us every day, and it's around our kids every day, and it's around our grandkids every day, and it's around our niece and our nephew, and it's just around our whole family. And so, God, I pray for a renewing of our mind. I pray for a renewing of our mind that you would transform us, God, in our thought life. If there's some of us here who are struggling in our thought life right now, God, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that there would be a transformation that would take place. And God, I pray for wisdom and discernment regarding technology. Would you give us the discernment and the wisdom as to make wise choices of what we consume and how we consume and how much we consume? But God, I thank you that you love us, that you want the best for us. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you need prayer for something at your campus, come on down front. Otherwise, Happy New Year, everybody.